That was just my voice. Now I'm on. So, because for the live stream, I have to be on there. My voice will carry just fine. I really don't even need a mic. But, but as a kid, I would watch shows. My mom loved I Love Lucy, and so I've probably seen... How many of you know what that is? I'm so sorry you know what that is. And I probably know... Anytime I even hear that song, the beginning coming on, I just go in the other room, get away from it. And we also watched the Andy Griffith show. How many of you know? Yeah. And so I think I've seen every one of those multiple, multiple times. And so, and then I get married to Caroline and her family. They didn't even know what a TV was where they lived for a while. The Andy Griffith show was new to them in 2003, even though it was, no, it wasn't quite that bad. But, so I had to listen to them all over again. And, you know, and then now lately my kids have been watching them. And, you know, you can only take so much of that, okay? Because you literally, yes, I, I love the fact that the morals back then were so much better for television. I love that. that. Don't get me started on today's television compared to that. You know, even Ricky and Lucy were technically married at that time, and they slept, they were in separate beds on TV. And now today, people aren't even married to each other being in the same bed, or they're the same gender in the same bed. But anyways, I wasn't going to get off on all that this morning. But um, that you watch so much that Andy Griffith, it's just like, I know what's coming before it even happens. Barney's getting ready to do something, and I'm like, here he goes. He's going to put his head down, and, you know, or there they go eating those pickles again. You just go on and on. And it's like you could hear the same story over and over again. It's like you get tired of it. We finally got the kids now. They're watching Leave it to Beaver right now. That's the new one that they're watching. And so, and that, I hope they don't follow in Beaver's footsteps at all on some of the things that he did. But I would much rather let them watch a show from the 50s than let them watch a show from today. And so I know it's black and white, but it is what it is. But, you know, we think about the gospel, and we just sang that song, I love to tell the story. How many times have you heard about what Jesus has done for you? Over and over again, right? To me, it doesn't ever grow old. Those old TV shows, yeah, they grow old. You know what they're all about. You know all that. But what Jesus did for me, it doesn't grow old. And it's that story. I love to tell the story about it. I love to tell people. And even when we're in glory and we're singing a new song, that new song's going to be about the old story and what Jesus did for us. What a blessing that is. Now, you have your outline there from two weeks ago. And what I'm going to do is, because this is the thing, you're my, you're my second service. I've already done this once today. After I do it once, I kind of know what I'm doing. So I kind of know where I'm going already. First service, I didn't do according to plan. And I'm not going to go according to that first plan. I'm going to do what I did last service now, I believe. So what I'm going to do is, because we have people in here like Annette over here, that needs every blank that I have. So if I leave something not filled in, she's going to come up to me after the service to get those answers. And I, did you even bring, do you have your old outline with you today? You have it there. And all that's left is B and C at the very end, correct? Yes. So what I'm going to do is, I'm just going to give you C, and then we're not going to refer back to the, there the rest of the day. Say, well, I wasn't here to have the rest of the notes. That's not my, no. Um. If you want the rest of them, I'll give them to you later if you want those. So I'm just going to give you the two points, and then we're going to go look at the passage together, and we're going to see some things today. So letter B on point number three. Let's just, we'll go through them all real quick. It'll give you a background of the whole story. So let's just go through number one. If you've got your outline there, number one, number one, we see that Christ's sacrifice takes away. If you remember the fact as we're going through the book of Hebrews, realizing Christ is better. There were some of these Hebrew, these Jews, that were Christians, they were kind of reverting back to their old ways. And the author here is trying to remind them, Christ is better. No need to go back to your old way of living. No way to go back to your old religious system. Just keep moving forward with Jesus. 
And he mentioned to them the fact that we have a better high priest. And for the children of Israel, we had the tribe of Levi. Aaron's seed, they were the high priest. But the Bible tells us, and we know that we have a better high priest. His name is Jesus. And he's after the order of Melchizedek, which is both king and priest. And so, that several weeks ago, we also saw that he has, a, he has a better covenant. The old covenant was good, but because of sin, the old covenant, God said, this is what you need to do, Israel. And Israel said, okay, we'll do this. Then shortly after, they disobeyed and didn't do what they told God they would do. So the new covenant, the New Testament, God says, I will give them a new heart. I will do these things. So the new covenant's better than the old covenant because it's based on God's promises and not our promises. And I know those of you in this room, you would love to always keep your promises. How many of you would love to always keep every promise you make? How many of you always keep every promise you make? Would you raise your hand now? You keep every promise. Every promise. Okay. There's never been a time you've not once. She's always kept, all right. So I'm going to learn from Ronnie how to keep my promises. That's good. And so I would love to always keep my promises, but they don't always, it doesn't always happen. And that's part of being who we are. And so, but with Christ, it's always, it always happens. It's a better promise. But he, not only is he a better high priest, he, lives in, he has a better sanctuary. The tabernacle that the children of Israel had in the Old Testament, it was earthly. It was made by hands, and it would wear out. It's just like, look, think about today. Could you believe I drove up the street today? That gas station on the corner, 639 for gas. 639. Even at Sam's Club, waiting five hours in line, I still had to pay like $5.30 there. And I was waiting five hours, and all the gas I wasted in line, I don't know if it would balance out by going someplace else. But, you know, they say gas prices, whatever, they have all their reasons, but they have higher taxes on them because they're going to make our roads better, right? I think I drove over seven potholes going four miles to get to church today. The streets of gold in heaven, there are no potholes and no taxes to keep the roads up. So just, it just makes sense that if we have a better high priest, we have a, he has a better sanctuary, and it's in heaven. We see that his sacrifice is better. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go once a year into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice for himself and for the people. But Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for the sins of all people. And because of that, we have a better sacrifice. Christ is better. Christ's sacrifice takes away sin. When we see letter A, there is the need for a better sacrifice. The fact is, every year they keep repeating the sacrifice over and over and over again because it just passed it on and passed it on and passed it on. There needed to be a better sacrifice, which we see letter B, that God gave us. God provided a better sacrifice. We could go back and we remember when Abraham took his son Isaac up on Mount Moriah and he was going to offer him as a sacrifice. And remember Abraham's words, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide the sacrifice. And God provided a sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ. Then letter C, we see the effectiveness of it. And verse 10 says that we're sanctified. We're set apart by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We see number two, and this is where a lot of religions get it backwards and get it wrong. We see that Christ's sacrifice doesn't need to be repeated. It was once for all, not to be repeated every year, not to be repeated at every Mass when they get together, once for all. That's what the Bible teaches us. And then what we see thirdly, and this is where we're going to stick today, is Christ's sacrifice opens the way to God. 
Christ's sacrifice opens the way to God. If you're there in Hebrews chapter number 10, look at verse number 19. And we're going to be finishing up the chapter. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now you think about this. In the Old Testament, the high priest would wear, he had bells on the bottom of his robe and things, and they tied a rope on him. So what would happen is when he would go into the Holy of Holies once a year, he would go in there once a year, if he didn't make sacrifice or didn't clean himself up right, if he went in before God in the Holy of Holies there, he literally could be struck dead. The reason for the bells and the rope was so that those outside there, because if anyone else went in there, they would die. So if they heard the bells, that meant the high priest is walking around. If there were no bells, they could take the rope and pull him out because they were not going in there. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible tells us that the veil was torn in two in the book of Matthew. So the separation between God and man, Jesus Christ got rid of that. So today, you and I can come boldly before the throne of God. We can go into the Holy of Holies confidently and boldly by the blood of Jesus where in the Old Testament there was no confidence ever for the high priest that could go in one time a year. So because of that, we see in verse 20, it tells us, look at verse 20, it says, By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Look at what it tells us here. Let us draw near. As we look at this, we see first of all, letter A, a gracious invitation. There's a gracious invitation. Because of what Jesus has done, you now can come in. You think about it this way. Before, there was a way to God. But there was something blocking that, and if you went through it, you would die. Now Jesus has died. The veil's been torn in two. And what the Lord says, come on in. You have access now because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And in that gracious invitation, we're told, number one, to draw near. You and I today, through Jesus Christ, can go to God. You can come before God. You can go into the Holy of Holies where the Old Testament saint could not. You can draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And I mentioned last or two weeks ago that there are, a lot of my commentaries will say, well, you can only go before God if, you, if your heart's clean before him and with all faith. Then you're doing the work to go before God. Know that clean heart and that full assurance of faith is your salvation that's been given to you. You cannot draw near to God without being saved and knowing Him as your Savior. Salvation is trusting in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and trusting in Him and Him alone for salvation. Religion tells us you have to do what Christ said is, I've done it already, it's been finished, trust me. And because of what He's done, we have this invitation, we can draw near. Not only that, but number two, we see the fact that we can hold fast. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And then thirdly, let us consider one another. And that's where church comes into play. Verse number 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Do you see what? We're not supposed to provoke other Christians to anger, Right? We're not supposed to get other Christians, provoke them in bad ways. Provoke them unto love, the Bible says. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
And so because of that sacrifice that's been made, we've been given this invitation, draw near to God. You can come and be near God, and as you do that, let's hold fast the hope that we have in the Lord, and let's move forward in faith for Him. In all reality, what we see right here is the growth and how growth is supposed to happen in the Christian life. Now, I'm going to give you the last two points, and then I'm going to take you to the Bible for everything else today, okay? So just write this down so you have it. Letter B. Here you go, Annette. You got it here. A solemn exhortation. There are five exhortations in the book of Hebrews. We're on number four today. In a couple minutes, I'm going to review the first three because we see the progression of backsliding in, this, in these exhortations. And then letter C, just so you have it, an encouraging confirmation. And so your notes now can just relax, and you've got everything there that you need. You're going to need to use your Bible for the rest of the message this morning. And that's okay. We're at church. It's good to use the Bible, right? If you've got, you got a problem with using the Bible, then you might not want to be in church. At least this church, we use the Bible a lot. It's the, it's, we use it more than anything else. And so look with me at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that, the knowledge, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no sacrifice for sins. We is mentioned there again, right? The book is written to save people. It's talking about save people willfully sinning. We'll talk more about this here in a minute. Look at verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye should he be thought worthy who have trodden under the foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the grace of God? For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto the Lord, and I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Talk about how loving God is, right? And now we're talking about it's fearful to fall into the hands of the living God. We see words like fiery indignation. That's pretty tough language right there. Judgment, devouring. So as we look here today, and we look at this passage, we see that this is the fourth exhortation given in the book. What we see throughout is the progression on backsliding. I've mentioned to you before the Christian life. Some Christians get this idea that if you stop growing, that you stay put. That's not how it works. You're either moving forward for the Lord or you're moving backwards. There is no middle ground. Think of the Christian life like being on a treadmill. Not one that's stopped, but one that's moving. Literally, it's moving. If you stop your growth in the Christian life, you're going backwards. That's how it works. I hear, no, I just stop. I'm right. No, you don't. That's why in the Christian life, it's supposed to be the just to live by faith. And the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So we get saved. We start to grow. Then we wander back. Then we grow. Some people get stuck right here, and they do this bouncing back and forth, and they never grow to become what God wants them to become. The goal is you're not always going to grow. If you think you're going to be the Christian that always grows, you got a rude awakening coming. We start out, we get saved, we grow, we backslide. 
But then when we grow again, instead of stopping where we were before, we need to go past that. And then as we backslide, then we grow further. The goal is to keep becoming more like Jesus Christ. And, to become, and, that's, what God, and that's what God's goal is for us. He's conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so go back with me to chapter number two for a minute. We're going to look at the exhortations about backsliding, I believe, and see the progression and where it goes. Hebrews chapter number two, and look with me at verse number one right away. Hebrews two, verse number one, it says, Therefore, we ought to give, we ought to give the more earnest we should let them slip. The word drift fits right there as well. So where does it all begin in our backsliding instead of growing in the Lord? It begins when we let some things slip. Let's be honest this morning. Has there ever been a time in your Christian life where you know, you know what the Bible says, but you just let things start to slip a little? I think all of us would agree with that statement there. So we'll use an example. We know that we should read the Bible. How many, that's, that's in the, you should read the Bible. Every Christian should be reading the Bible. And you should be reading it daily. It should be as important to you as your food is. You should be reading it. But, oh, I'm just kind of busy. I, you let it slip. We all do it. We're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that what the song says? It begins, so the Bible says here, you have to take heed to those things that you've heard so you don't slip. The progression for backsliding begins when you let the things you've heard from God start to slip. But it doesn't end there. Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter 3. So there's a progression. Let me see this progression this morning. Hebrews chapter number 3, and look at me at verse number 7. Now we're not going to chapter 3, or verse 18. But look at what it says. So Hebrews 3, verse number 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. The gist of what the author is saying here from that verse through chapter 4, verse 13 is, not only did they let some things slip, but now they're doubting my word. Didn't God tell the children of Israel that if they went into the promised land, it was theirs? This is your land. They go in and they see it. Like, we cannot take this land. And most of them died in the wilderness because they didn't trust God's word. They doubted what God said. You see, that's the progression where it begins. The progression begins, we let some things slip. As we let some things slip, it leads us to doubting what God says. Which leads to the third progression in our backsliding, which would be in chapter 5, verse number 11. This is the third exhortation. Look at what it says in chapter 5, verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be seeing ye are dull of hearing. Do you see the progression? Look, look, look with me. We start by letting some things slip. We start drifting a little bit. Then we doubt God's word and what it says. And as we doubt God's word, we quit listening to God and what he says. 
And so those Christians that should have been teachers and growing in their faith have become dull of hearing, and they were repeating the first things over and over because they weren't growing in their Christian life, because they were moving backwards and they weren't going forward. And the author of Hebrews says, let's move on to action. Let's grow in the Lord. God wants you to grow. It's only natural, right? I saw Mila in here a few minutes ago. She's just a baby. I hope that when she's 20, she's not still being held coming into church and having to go out and be fed and things like that. When she, You would say there's something wrong with that, but then it's okay in the Christian life to be a Christian that's a baby in the Lord forever. It doesn't, it's, that's not how it's supposed to be. God wants you to grow. And so we see a progression. The progression begins. We let some things slip. We doubt God and his word. We quit listening to God. And then from there, it leads to the fourth one, which we read about today in verse, chapter 10, verse 26. It says, For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. How does it get to the point? Now, this is the thing. There are times where we sin, and we don't always realize, right? I didn't realize that that was sin. For myself, there are times. So I, I will, I'm an anxious person at times. But the Bible makes it clear that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. That's Bible, right? And when my anxieties are there, that's lack of faith in God, right? We, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Yours could be totally different. We're talking about me right now, okay? And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. But anxiety is when you're fearing what's coming, and faith and fear don't go together. They're the opposites. And so you, I might be anxious about something and not even realize it, that in all reality I'm sinning because I'm not having faith in God for the situation. There are times that we sin and don't even realize completely that we're sinning. Ever been there? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I think all of us could say that's happened. But then there are also times where we know what we're doing and we know for a fact we're doing and we know what god's word says we know where god's word stands and we're like i'm doing this anyways it's where david got to think about david for a few minutes david the man after god's own heart david didn't one day wake up and just say you know what i'm gonna commit adultery and i'm gonna have a man killed that's what i'm gonna do he didn't wake up one day and just say that there's a progression i think this progression fits for everybody you just let some things slip. David was supposed to be a battle, wasn't he? He's the king. He's supposed to be a battle. He wasn't a battle. Just let a few things slip. Doubted God. Didn't hear God. And that's, you know, when we, when we get to that point to where we don't hear from God, God is there to help us, and the Holy Spirit's there to say, hey, Brian, don't do that. But when you start doubting God and his word, and then you quit listening to God, it gets to the point to where you are going to do what you want to do. Say, so can a Christian really willfully sin? Yes. It's part of the backsliding that happens. And when we look at this, this is not what God wants for his children today. Do you realize that? God does not want you to be backsliding. God doesn't want you to willfully be sinning. Do you know in the Old Testament, there were no sacrifices for no sacrifices for that. You can write down these references to look at them later. Exodus 21, 
12 to 14, and Numbers 15, 27 through 31. And even, you got to think about this, when Moses' law was deliberately broken, the people were executed for it. Deuteronomy 17, 1 through 7. That's why, do you know David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51? Go, go to Psalm 51. I want you to see this. I told you we're going to use our Bibles, right? Psalm 51. I know you like it when I got all this stuff up on the screen for you. Normally I do, but this wasn't, this wasn't today's thing. It's a pace. But if we were to look at the entire chapter, but look down with me at verse number 16, Psalm 51, verse 16. Listen to what David says. So this is David's psalm of repentance after he has sinned. Willfully, he knew what he was doing. There was no mistake about it. And that's where David said, I against God. I did wrong. Look at what he says in verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice. There's no sacrifice I can make for the sin that I've committed against you, God. Else, if there was a sacrifice, I would have already done it. Keep reading. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. There's no sacrifice I can make because I willfully chose to sin against you. I knew what I was doing and I did it. But look at what it says in the next verse. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. David says, there is no sacrifice I can make for what I've done. But God, I'm coming to you with a broken heart because of what I've done to you. And as we look at this and we think about it, how do we get to the point in the Christian life that we get so arrogant against God that we say, I know what you want, but I'm doing it my way. I know what your word says, but I'm going to do what I want to do. I know you don't like this, but I'm still going to do it. How do you get to that point in the Christian life? Well, I've already told you. You let things slip. You doubt God's word. You quit hearing from God, and then you go down that road. And we read in these verses here about a lot of different things in the, here in our text. We see, and you say, well, what, what can you expect from God? If you're going to willfully go against him and basically despise him and despise his spirit, what's God going to do? He will chasten you. Do you know most of the children of Israel never got to enter into the promised land? They died. So, well, God could kill me? He could. I'm not going to say that he's going to, but he could. Do you know in the church in Corinth, Many of them were slept, right? The passage around the Lord's Supper, for this cause many sleep. Many died because of the sin. Say, well, is God going to kill me? I'm not saying he's going to kill you, okay? Don't. But God does chase children. There are lessons to be learned. And we talk about indignation, fiery indignation, all these different things. You've got to understand, and this is a sore punishment, and God will, and this is, this is really what it comes down to in the book of Hebrews. This is what it comes down to. God's spoken. How are you responding to what God says? And we need to be very careful about these things. You see, look at the last verse of our chapter. We'll look at the few verses before that in a minute too, but look at the last verse. Actually, let's just read 
through 39. Let me just get through those, and then we'll finish up the message this morning. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, after you were saved. So this is still for saved people, right? Ye endured a great flight of affliction. Partly, whilst we were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst we became companions of them that were so used. For ye have compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. Haven't we heard that before? It's in Habakkuk 2, 2, 4, and in Romans chapter number 1. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul hath no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now you see that word perdition? There's a lot of different meanings to that word. That word can mean destruction, damnation, judgment. It also has the meaning of waste. I think waste is the proper definition for this word in this verse. Because when you are living that life and backsliding and away from God, you are wasting what God has for you. You see, do you know what God wants for you today? Are you ready? This is the progression of growth. We need to draw near. As you draw near to God, you will hold fast the hope that you have in Him, and you'll move forward in faith. Isn't it interesting that chapter 11 is all about those who had faith? And without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's plan for you and me. Are you ready? is for us to draw near to him. And as you draw near to him, he wants you to hold fast to the hope that we have in him and move forward in faith. He doesn't want you to let things slip. Doubt God's word. Quit listening to what God has to say. And do it your way. Prodigal son's a great example of that. Remember the prodigal son? prodigal son went to his dad and said, Dad, you're better off dead to me. Give me my substance so I can go. He was going to do it his way. He wasn't listening to dad anymore. He was done with this thing. How do you get in the place in your relationship with your parents where you're like, you're better off dead to me? It's literally where he'd gotten to. Some things had slipped. He went out and lived a wicked life. Don't tell me he trusted God and his word during that time. And don't tell me that he was listening to God and what God had. He willfully sinned and did these things. There was this day that he came to himself. Even the servants in my dad's house have it better than me being in this pig pen. And he repented and went back. And the father received his son. And even though the son didn't feel he was worthy to be a son, once a son, always a son. That's what the Bible teaches. But what I want you to understand is this. 
you might say, oh, pastor, I'm kind of, I'm in that backslidden state. Maybe you're, maybe you're just at the point where you're letting a few things slip. Hey, get that fixed. Quit letting things drift. Get back on course. Say, how can I get back on course? You need to draw nigh to God. You are who you hang around. You are who you hang around. All of us try to teach our children to hang out with good people and wise people, right? That's what we try and teach our children. Because when you hang around the wrong crowd, they rub off on you. What you need today in the Christian life to continue growing for the Lord, you've got to draw near to him. And because of what Jesus has done, you and I can draw near to him today. You can draw near to God. And not only draw near to him, but when, you're, when, you, when you have that close bond with the Lord and you've drawn nigh to him, there's just something, the hope, everything else just feels so much stronger, doesn't it? This feels like, wow, God is moving, he's working, I have hope in him, and that hope is strong. And you can go forward in faith to do whatever God wants you to do. But then there are those other times that even if we aren't even realizing it, we just let some things slip. That's why it's so important you stay faithful to church and you stay faithful to the things of God. I mentioned that last service. Some people are like, you know, Pastor, do you know if I'm backsliding? Someone asked me that if I knew if they're backsliding or not. I don't know someone's heart, but I'll tell you this. You can tell when people let things slip. You can. As your pastor, I keep a close eye on all of you. I do. I do. I can see you in church. I can see when you're paying attention. I can see when you're not paying attention at all. I know. You say, Pastor, I, yeah, the church isn't huge. So because of that, I know when you're here. I know when you're not. Last week, we had everyone out under the tent, and I knew who wasn't here. I called them. He's like, how did you know I was? I said, when we're in the building, it's easy because all of you are creatures of habit. You sit in the normal spots where you are. So I just look in those normal spots, and I can tell you who's missing and who's not here based on those seats. Like, I know who's missing today in this service because these roses aren't filled up. Or you'd be like, Ronnie, instead, some days, if Tony's here, he'll get you closer to the front, but today you're on the third row. But I know that you're here, but I know Tony's not. And then I also know the rest of your family is not here today, and I know they were traveling yesterday. Facebook also helps you know what people are doing. That helps out when people post on there and makes it clear. But then, but this is the thing. Don't let things slip. Don't doubt the Lord. I can tell, I can tell if someone's backsliding or not pretty easy. You see it. It's amazing. They go to church all the time, then magically they don't go anymore. And you know what they say? Well, I don't have to be in church to be close to God. And I agree you don't have to be in church to be close to God. But if you are close to God, you're going to be in church. And when you start making up your own rules about all of it, it shows you're not really listening to God and what he says. You're listening to yourself, and you're going down this bad road that's spiraling out of control. It's not hard. We all do it. Where are you at this morning? Are you drawing near to God and holding on to that hope and moving forward in faith? That's what God wants, because without faith, we're going to read next week, it's impossible to please God. And we're going to read about many examples of people that had faith and moved forward for God. And that's why faith is so important. But you're not going to have a bunch of faith when you're down here doing everything opposite of what God wants you to do and doing it willfully and knowing that. Someone asked me the other day about someone that they knew, a, past, a, a guy was a pastor and, uh, a while back, and they were asking me questions. And they're like, so they're like, he's like, I, I love my pastor, a great guy, great pastor. And one day he came to our church, 
And he just said, I'm gay now, and I'm leaving. He left his wife and his four kids. And he's like, how does that happen to someone so strong in the faith? I think it could happen to any of us. When you let some things slip, and you begin to doubt God's word, and you don't hear from God, you're going to live and do things that are contrary to what God would have you do. And don't look at someone that has gone and that's very easily. It could be one of us. But what do we need to do? I would just encourage you today, draw near to him. You have access to God because of Jesus Christ. Draw near and hold on to that hope and move forward. Where are you at today, Christian? Are you moving forward? Or are you sliding backwards? Are you like that last verse talked about? When I get to stand before the Lord, I don't want to waste all that He's given me. I don't want to waste it. Backsliding, going that way, you're wasting what God's done. And when you t- and what happens when we're living that life, when we're taking and willfully sinning, doing these things, you know what we're telling God? We're telling Him. Your sacrifice is just whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know what Paul said? The love of Christ, what Christ did for me, it constrains me to serve him and to live for him. Christ's sacrifice should encourage us to draw near to him, not to live a life contrary to what God would have for us. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's the most important decision you'll ever make because you're not even on the treadmill yet. Or maybe you're on the treadmill, but it's, it's a stop. The treadmill's doing nothing. You gotta get some power in it. You need the Spirit of God. You need to get saved. You need to come to Him for salvation. Start walking the Christian life. And yes, you're going to go backwards some. You're going to go forward. But let's move forward. Draw nigh to God. Hold fast that hope. And move forward in faith. Father.